to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Bring your greetings from sunny Bowling Green, Ohio. And it is sunny there. I checked. It's good to be with you. We enjoy being here. Thank you so much for inviting us again. I told Pastor Philip, you must be gluttons for punishment in this church to have me back. But again, it is a joy to be back with you. Um, I want to share with you this evening what the Lord's laid upon my heart out of Isaiah chapter 40. So if you have a Bible, I know that you do, uh, turn with me there. Isaiah chapter 40. I want to ask you to pray for us. Thank you for doing that, but I'm going to ask you to pray for us again uh, for Bowling Green State University. That's, we have a ministry on campus. It's called Lifehouse Campus Ministry. And uh, thank you for your prayers. We are uh, probably in our seventh or eighth year of our campus ministry, and God has blessed it, and we just thank the Lord for it. Uh, we are privileged to have the, uh, the BGSU College uh, men's basketball coach attend church. That's been a neat thing. Coach Lewis Orr used to play for New York Knickerbockers. And he's about six foot 11. And uh, loves Jesus with all his heart. And so pray for him. I know he has a heavy burden uh, that he carries all the time. And uh, all, all the basketball team, in fact, one, one Sunday he brought all the basketball team to church. On a Sunday morning, they took up the first four rows on the three rows on the one side, and they're all probably around six foot eight, six foot six, and uh, so everybody knew they were there. <laughs> I had to stand on a chair to give one of them shake his hand. So anyway, uh, but thank you for praying for us, and thank you for uh, inviting us back again, Brother Philip. I love you. I'm glad that we're able to be here. I love you. Love your family, Miss Kelly. Thank you. Thank you so much for last night. You cooked some incredible steaks. You and me both. I was hoping you'd say that. And thank you for that basket in our room. That was so great, too. Thank you so much. Uh, Karen really liked that. There's a lot of goodies in there. And so I appreciate that. Isaiah chapter 40. If you have your Bible, again, thank you for turning there. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 29. This is something that God has laid on my heart. And... um, I want to share it with you tonight, okay? Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. Have you ever felt faint? Anyone? Ever felt faint? He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. You see, this is not age sensitive. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But I love this conjunction. 
but. One of my favorite words in the entire Bible is but. You didn't know that? You need to start looking up that word more often. But God, who is rich in mercy, but they that wait upon the Lord. You know the verse by memory, don't you? I know you're reading it on the screen. Shall what? Renew their strength. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or give in. I want to say that again. But they that wait upon the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight about waiting upon the Lord. I think it's time for us to know what that means. And I want you to notice the four blessings or promises that come as a result of it. Look what they are. Number one. They that wait upon the Lord, number one, shall renew their strength. It says they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is a promise from God. The promises are one, two, three, four, right out of that text. Do you know there are unconditional promises of God? And there are conditional promises of God. Did you know that? There are conditional promises. Promises of God that are based upon covenants. And the covenants are always conditional. Always. But there are unconditional promises of God. Let let me give you one. Here's here's an unconditional promise of God. Remember when God destroyed the earth with a flood? And he said, I will no more destroy the earth with a flood. How many remember that? He says, while there is seed time, while the earth remains, there will be what? Seed time and harvest, summer and winter, right? Heat and cold, day and night shall not cease. That is an unconditional promise of God. It's just the way it is. But there's another unconditional promise of God. I, I like this one. And, and, and you can think of so many unconditional promises of God. The Bible says this, and Jesus said it. He said, I will build my church. And what's the rest of it? Anybody? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's an unconditional promise of God. I'll give you another one. Jesus said this. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, here it comes. I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. These are unconditional promises of God. Do you know they're going to happen? You know, Jesus is coming back. And ain't nothing you can do to stop it. And there ain't nothing anybody can do to prevent it. There's nothing that's going to change that promise of Jesus. He said, I will come again and I will receive you unto myself. Friends, I want to talk to you today about they that wait upon the Lord shall receive a promise from God. In other words, the promises are fourfold, but they're conditional. Did you know that? This is a conditional promise of God. Here's the condition. They that wait upon the Lord. This is a very familiar verse to all of us. But God is burning this in my heart in the last several months that so many times we want the blessings, but we don't want to fulfill the condition. Look at what it says. Just just think about it. They that wait upon the Lord shall. 
You see the word shall there? That's an encouraging word, shall. Shall is a word that gives it power. It's a word that gives the promise authority. It's a word that says this is not a promise of man. This is a promise of God. Shall renew their strength. Shall mount up. Shall run. Shall walk. That's a shall, 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 shall. Friends, this is not a promise of man. You know, we do run and we are weary. We do walk and we do faint. There are people in this room tonight that are fainting. You say, well, I'm not fainting. I'm still sitting here. I can see you. That word means to give in. There are some people in this room that are giving in. We're running and we're weary. But I dare say that it's time for us to think about why that's happening. Why are we running and are weary? Why are we fainting? Why are we giving in? How come we're not mounting up? Friends, this is not a promise. They shall, shall, shall. These are not promises that if we just repeat them, if we just repeat them, we're going to experience them. No, 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 no. Our problem in Christianity is we have forgot that God has a conditional promise. We have forgotten that they that wait upon the Lord is the first part. And if you will take care of the first part, how many know God will take care of the next part? If we will take care of what we're supposed to take care of, then we, don't, we get so focused on, I shall mount up with wings, yeah, I will run, yeah, I'm going to walk, and yeah, bless God. But I don't want to wait on God. Wait on God? Are you kidding me? Do you realize what that takes? Time. We don't like to wait, do we? I remember when I first got a computer, I was a pastor of a church in Port Clinton, Ohio. Some guy gave us a computer. It was a 386. Anybody ever heard of the 386? I flicked that thing. I was so excited. He bought it for the church. Man, I think he paid about, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars for it or something, you know. He sat in the church. I flicked on that button, turned it on, and five or ten minutes later, it came on. I was like, this is great. This is exciting. Wow. Wow. I thought, man, I've never seen anything like it. Now I turn it on. And if it doesn't come up in a nanosecond, I'm ticked. How many know what I'm talking about? How many know we have a hard time waiting for things? We like it instantaneously. If we wait in McDonald's more than about two minutes, we are irate. But I tell you this, Christians have lost their sense of waiting upon the Lord. And therefore, we have lost our ability to recognize his strength and his helping us mount up and his allowing us to rise above the plane of mediocrity and live on a higher level than we've ever lived before, all because we don't want to wait on God anymore. It's a shame that the church of Jesus Christ wants the blessings of God, but they don't want to live by the condition of God. I, didn't, I, I have no gimmicks. I have no tricks up my sleeve. All I have for you is what God's put on my heart, sir, and that is the word before me to you. Our focus today is the condition. What is the condition? They that wait upon the Lord. If you'll take care of that, the blessings will just fall. One, two, three. You won't have to be worried about, oh, I have no strength. Forget that. Get back to waiting on God. Now, what is waiting on God? It's not exactly prayer. It might be involved in prayer, but really waiting on God is not prayer. It comes after prayer for the most part. Waiting on God, you'll see it 76 times in the Old Testament, 21 times in the New Testament. 
in about four basic groups. Let me give them to you. One major group with our English word wait has this meaning to be silent. To just sit and be silent. How many of you know this verse? Be still and know that I am God. Do you know, friends, we're sometimes in a hurry. We get so much in a hurry, we can't wait on him anymore. I want to say this. My pastor said this a long time ago to me. He said, Jerry, time spent waiting on God is not wasted. And then he said, to hurry God is to find fault with him. We've been hurrying God. And every time we do, we're telling him he doesn't know what he's doing. We're fainting. We're weary. We have no strength. We're not mounting up, but we're not waiting either. So it means silence. You know, some things are worth waiting for. Did you know that? I remember that Heinz ketchup commercial back in the 70s. Now I'm really dating myself. How many, do you remember the little jingle? Anticipation is making me what? Nobody knows that one. Oh, my goodness. Am I that old? Do you know this, Miss Nancy? Oh. It's anticipation is making me wait. See, my, name, my last name is Hunt, and I don't really like Heinz ketchup. I like Hunt's ketchup. But I remember the commercial where the guy put the ketchup bottle on the 10th floor of this building. And then he tipped the bottle up, and as it oozed out of the bottle, he ran down 10 flights of stairs with a hot dog on a bun, reaches out, and plop right there on the old hot dog. Because he was waiting He was expecting. It was anticipation, which really is another meaning of the word wait. Another group is this word. It means to wait in anticipation and expectation. Do you know when we wait on the Lord, we need to be silent before him. There's nothing wrong with keeping your mouth shut once in a while. Did you know that? And there's nothing wrong with waiting on the Lord, expecting him to do something. When was the last time we anticipated God to show up in our bedroom or in our car? When was the last time we waited on God and said, Lord, I know you're there. I know you're there. Oh, God, I know you're there. When was the last time? There's another word. It means to take notice. It means to watch, to be observant. So it means to be silent. It means to expect. It means to take notice or observe. With the, with the idea of ready to serve or act. So here's what we have. Number one, waiting is to be silent before him. Expecting him to speak to us or something from God. Observing and being attentive to him as if he might say something to us that we should act upon. And then the last one is this one. Isaiah 64.4. You're probably familiar with this verse. It says this. I has not seen... Ear has not heard. How many know this verse by heart? Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God prepares. Now, this one says, who, who acts for the one who waits for him. And that's really right. The things that God has prepared for them who wait for him. How many remember the verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where Paul says, I have not seen the things that God has prepared for them that what? Love him. Remember? 
So here is Paul in 1 Corinthians 2 quoting Isaiah 64. Now, what is he saying in Isaiah 64? He says, God has things prepared for you. He wants to work or act on behalf of you if you will wait on the Lord. God's got things that you would never, you could never imagine if you'll just wait on him, if you'll just sit in silence and expect God and actually worship him for who he is, not just for what he does, and say, God, I love you just because of you. What do you mean? Well, I have not seen the things that God has prepared for them that what? Love him. Why does it say love in 1 Corinthians 2? But yet it says wait in Isaiah 64. I think I have an idea. And the idea is this, that love is the motive for your waiting. Love is the reason you're doing it. Like I said before, if we wait on God and nothing happens, we're out of here. Oh, that shows you how much you love him, doesn't it? Let me just say this. Love is the reason why you go to this altar and wait on God. Well, that's because I want something to happen. How about just coming up because you love him? How about coming to church early because you love him? How about giving in the offering because you love him? Not because I get anything, but just because I love him. Um, how many husbands are glad your wife does something for you just because she loves you? And vice versa. Do you know what God wants? He wants you to do what you do for him because you just plain flat love him. Mary was at the tomb. Jesus was risen. She saw him, but she thought he was the gardener. How many remember that? And she says, where have you laid him? Tell me, I'll go get him. And then Jesus says, Mary. See, the Bible says that Mary stood there. Everybody else went home, but Mary stood there. Why was she standing there? Jesus wasn't there. She thought they took his body and left. Why was she there? Because she saw Jesus? No. Because she felt Jesus? No. Because she loved him. Why do you sing that song up here? Why do you guys play these instruments up here? Why do you do that? I want I to ask you, why do you play the drums? Why do you hold a microphone and sing, Megan? I, I want to ask you, Pastor Philip. I, this message is for my friend Philip because of the anniversary service. But friends, this is just as much for me. What am I doing up here? What are you doing out there? Why are you here? question is posed to you, sir. What are you doing up here? Why are you standing behind this keyboard anyway? What are you, what are you doing? Knocking myself out. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I hope you're doing it because you love him and not because other people will love you. Because if you're doing it because other people love you, you need to get off this platform. And I need to come and sing because I love him. And I need to come to the altar and worship him. Well, that altar call doesn't apply to me. Oh, really? That attitude means it does. You see, friends, this word wait in Isaiah 64.4 is a different word than all the rest. This word means to entrench yourself. It means to dig into. Think of that. I have not seen the things that God has prepared for them who dig into God. Look it up for yourself. Don't take my word for it. 
It means to entrench oneself. It means to adhere to. Therefore, the result being an adjustment to. It carries that idea of adjustment because of adhering. Because of digging in. Have you ever heard your mother say, now, I was raised in, in, uh, in a Christian home. I had five, four brothers, just five boys. And I told you their names before. I won't go through that again. Larry, Gary, Terry, Harry, Jerry. It was a nightmare. It still is. And when my mom would call us for supper, we ran to that table. And she would say, dig in. Well, you know, when we dug in, we ate that. We, we inhaled that stuff. And it became a part of us. We assimilated it into our bodies. When you dig into God, you are assimilating. You are taking in and you are adhering to him. They who love him will entrench themselves into God. And guess what? God will act on your behalf. He will set in motion the wheels of divine providence in your life. And God will see to it that you will be what he's called you to be. And you will be stronger in him than ever before. If you'll just... Dig in. When was the last time you dug into the word? When was the last time you entrenched yourself into God? When was the last time we came to the altar and adhered to? I'm going to remember Jacob. He said, I will not let you go. Do you remember this? I will not let you go until you what? Bless me. I will not let you go. What was he doing? He was adhering to God. He was digging into God. He was saying, I'm not giving up until you fill me with the Holy Ghost. I'm not giving up, Lord, until you meet me at this altar. Friend, he wants you to dig into him. And you know what will happen to you? Those fourfold blessings will just be natural. You won't have to worry about trying to renew your strength. You won't have to worry about mounting up with wings as eagles. You won't have to worry about running and not be weary. You won't have to worry about jet lag spiritually. You won't have to worry about burnout spiritually because you will have been putting him first. Look look at this promise, which is conditional. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be what? Added unto you. I think it's time for us to dig into God. So what do we have? Here's what we have. Waiting on him is sitting in a silent mode with an expectant attitude observing and taking notice of what he might say, adhering to him and adjusting ourselves to God, who will enable us then to experience those fourfold blessings. And he will set the wheels in motion of his divine providence. That's what God wants to do in my life. What, if, what is the gracious and merciful act of God? What, 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 is the, what is the result of this waiting on God? Well, we have four blessings. I'm not going to go through those four blessings tonight, but I do want to hit two of them. Number one is they shall renew their strength. How many in this room could use a little renewing of your strength from time to time? Oh, I could. And the second one I want to talk about is they shall mount up with wings as eagles. Those are the only two I want to talk about tonight. But we do know that One follows the other, follows the other, follows the other. There is an order here that God has put on purpose. And so, friend, if we'll just take the time to wait on God, he'll do the rest. One thing you do, four things God does. Isn't that just like God? One thing you do, four things God does. One thing you do, oh, that's tough. Four things God does. You know, God always does more than you. He always does more than you. But he does require of us this condition. Well, 
I look at what the uh, results of these things are, and I go to the first one. The first one says, they shall renew their strength. I just love that. I just love that. That word renew actually means exchange or change. You guys were talking about change. You were talking about change, Pastor Philip. I'm sitting there and thinking, man, they're all talking about change. But this word means that. It means they shall exchange their strength for his. This is a powerful blessing from God. It is a shall exchange yours for his. How many could use that? You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, he says, when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. So the word means exchange. It's the same word used when changing a shirt. You take a shirt off, you put another shirt on. That's what the word means. It means to take something off and put something else on. Friends, I want to say this. If you will wait upon the Lord, you will exchange your strength for his. You will exchange your strength for his. I want to tell you that if you wait on God, there's a change coming. You cannot wait on God and not have a change. You cannot wait on God and not experience change. You're not going to be the status quo anymore. That's pretty good. You're not going to live that mediocre life anymore. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's a promise. You're about to get a change of clothes. If you'll wait on God, you're about to get a change of clothes. When I was a kid, my mom and dad bought me a suit. I, was, uh, I liked suits way back then. still like them. My graduation, high school. They bought me a suit. It was red, white, and blue, Bicentennial, 1976. No, don't laugh. Well, you did laugh. Okay, anyway. Uh, they bought me a suit. It was red, white, and blue checked. Check. Can you? I look like a used car salesman. Sorry, I hope there's no used car salesman. But anyway, that's what I looked like. And, and they bought me this suit. And, and it was a nice, I love that suit. But you know, me being 17 years old, I grew pretty fast. And uh, I outgrew the suit. If I put that suit on now, I probably couldn't button it this way. Sleeves would probably come up to here, you know. And the pants would be a lot shorter. Has anyone in the room ever had some clothes and they ended up not fitting you after a while? They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange one suit for another. Now, why did I have to change my suit? How come I had to get another suit? Because that suit was no good. No, it was good. It was worn out. No, it wasn't worn out. I grew. I hope you hear what I'm saying. They that wait upon the Lord shall exchange. And sometimes the thing that's happening to us is that we are growing and we are changing. We are growing deeper in him. And friend, I want to tell you the blessing you had five years ago is not going to do you now. Because you have outgrown that more. The blessing's no good. No, the blessing is fine. It's a five-year-old blessing. It's good. But you see, friends, that doesn't do it for today. If you are growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that thing of yesterday, as good as it was, is not going to do you now. It's time for you to get a new dose of the Holy Ghost. It's time for you to get filled with the Spirit again. It's time for you, friend, to take that old suit, which is not worn out. It's just old by verse of years, but it is still good, but it doesn't fit you anymore because God has helped you to grow, and your heart is bigger than that, and God wants to fill more of you than he ever has before. Not that the thing is no good. 
God's going to require more of you now. You start waiting on God, you know what will happen? He'll start requiring more of you now. That's why some people don't do it. They don't like responsibility. They don't want to grow any more than what they've grown. You know why? That might mean more responsibility. God might want more of my time. God might want more of you because your heart is bigger for it now. And God says it's time for you to start being more responsible than you've been before. And it's time for you to start waiting on me more so I can fill you more so that you can be used for me in a greater way. You see, friends, God wants to renew your strength. He wants to exchange your strength for his. Those sleeves are too short in that shirt you were wearing. He's trying to get you out of that shirt because you've been growing. So when that kind of stuff happens, know this. God is moving you forward. You're, you're, you're not as comfortable in that suit as you used to be. When I would outgrow my suits, of course, there was five boys, so we couldn't buy a suit for us all the time. I mean, that's a lot of money. But after a while, you have to start wearing that short suit. How many know I look like a jerk? Walking, well, don't raise your hand. I mean, how many know that I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't look good? I looked like it was too short. You know, we got Christians walking around like that. They walk around just, hi, how are you? Hi, hi, how you doing? You doing okay? Hi, and who are you? Oh, I'm Jerry, I'm the pastor. <laughs> Someone might have the courage to say, you know, you need a new suit. Well, slap my jaw. Don't you be making fun of me. I like what I've got. But you see, friends, there are some of us in this room tonight who our suits, our shirts are too small because you've been growing, but you don't want to get another suit because to do that means you're going to have to start waiting on God and letting him exchange it for you. But you're walking around uncomfortable. You know, how many know I had a small suit I could walk around and walk around? You know, it's kind of uncomfortable when you walk around in clothes that don't fit. Growing like I did when I was a little kid that fast, man. You guys know what it's like when your kids outgrow their clothes. You can't keep them in jeans. You can't keep them in the outfit. You can't do it. And they look silly and they feel uncomfortable. And that's the way we ought to feel. Because God says it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to grow. It's time for you to move on in him. And I just want to say, it's time for us to come to an altar of prayer and just seek God's face. They that wait upon the Lord shall. This, this is a promise of God. But, but number two, it says the following is they, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. So you see the first thing. And that is, they shall exchange their strength. Exchange, exchange, exchange. Why? Because there's a mounting up that's coming. You're going to need it. You see, you're going to need it for the second one. The second one is going to follow the first one. But notice it's the first one first. It's the second one second. In order, God has it planned. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Now, I've asked myself, why does he use the eagle for the comparison? Why not um, a parrot? You ever heard a parrot? Polly wants a cracker. All parrots do is repeat what they heard somebody say. I've seen a lot of them. I've had it up to here with that junk. Him saying what he said, and him saying what he said, and him saying what he said, and, 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 and it's just a bunch of parroting, and nobody really actually has had it happen in their own heart. Let us not be parrots. 
that just repeat, but we've never had the experience in here. But secondly, I think he, he chooses eagles because of, because of their characteristics, because of the characteristics of eagles. I think that's why he chose eagles. I love eagles. You guys like eagles? I like eagles. I like watching them on TV, you know. Those big old bald eagles, man, just great, just glorious. But I think he chose them for the reason of their characteristics. What are some of the characteristics of an eagle? And I just want to share a few of them with you tonight before we close. You guys doing okay? You're not bored to death? Don't raise your hand. It make me feel bad. But I want to give you some characteristics of an eagle. Number one, eagles have the ability or they are soaring birds. They soar, as you know. They will flap once in a while, but they will soar most of the time. Now, what enables them to stay high and lofty and soar so long? Well, it's what God put in them. They are the only bird or one of the only birds that has the ability to fly at least 6,000 feet high and maintain a 6,000-foot altitude for a length of time. They can maintain that position. They are soaring birds. Other birds can go high too, by the way, but they can't stay up there. You ever seen a Christian go high and he takes plummets? God says, if you'll wait on the Lord, I will give you the ability to live above the level of your mediocrity and stay in a higher plane for a longer period of time. And you won't be going up and down and up and down and up and down all the time. Have you ever met Christians that are up one day and they're down the next? They're up one day, they're down the next. That's not an eagle, my friend. An eagle has the ability to go high and stay in that position. And if we will wait on God, he will enable us to live on a higher plane. And therefore, friends, the materialistic world will not grip us. We won't be entrenched in this world, but we will be entrenched in God. And then we won't care about how many houses we have and how many cars we have and how much junk we got. We won't live in that plane. We live on a higher plane. Hmm. We can live above the gimmicks, above the criticism. We can live above the depressing conditions of our world. How many have watched the news lately? It's not exciting. It's depressing. But you see, I don't live on that plane. I don't live down here. This world is not my home. I come from a different place. The Bible says we are not to look at the things of this earth. But we are to look on things above. We're to keep our eyes and our minds on that. And when you wait on the Lord, guess what happens? He'll enable you to do that. Eagles are, are solitary birds. They don't just soar, but they're solitary. In fact, they're one of the most solitary birds there is. You ever heard of a flock of eagles? There goes a flock of eagles, Dad! <laughs> There are no flocks of eagles, but you have heard of flocks of geese, but not flocks of eagles. I maintain today that if we will wait on the Lord, he will enable us to not only exchange our strength for his, but that strength will enable us to live in a higher plane than this world. We've got Christians who are living too much like the world. Friend, I am to be different. I am not better than anybody else, but I am to be different than anybody else. We aren't to walk around like we're better, but we are supposed to be different. God help us. I like what one pastor said, and I'm not against Facebook by any means, but he did say this. He said, we need to get our nose out of the Facebook and in put our face in this book. 
And that spoke to me. I think it's time to put my face in this book and then we'll be living on a different plane. What are your thoughts on most of the time? It's what we're reading and what we're watching and what we're listening to that's keeping us down on this level. If we'll wait on God, he'll renew our strength and enable us to live on a plane that's higher than other. Not better. Not better. Get that out of your heart heart and mind. It's not better, but different. They're solitary birds. I got to say this, friends. You're going to experience much of God's best when you get alone with God. The solitary life. When was the last time you spent some time alone with God? How many remember Abraham? When Abraham was alone with God, you know what happened to him? God gave him a promise. Moses, brother Philip just talked about it. When Moses was alone in the backside of the desert, there was nobody there. What happened when he was alone with God? The Bible says that God called him to be the deliverer of his people. It's when he was alone with God. Friends, it was when David was alone out in that sheepfold, singing songs to God and writing scripture songs. Friends, it's when David was alone with God that he wrote those songs. We need inspired songs to sing, but they will not come until we get alone with God and become solitary and let God speak to us instead of let everybody else talk to us. Let God speak to you, and he'll never speak contrary to this book, not one time. They're solitary birds. I think of David. Not only did he write those psalms, but he defeated Goliath. How do you think he defeated Goliath? It wasn't by partying every Friday night. It was by spending time alone with God. The leadership of this church needs to get on its knees and spend some alone time with God. And you will see God do things that your eyes have never seen, your ears have never heard, and it has not entered into your heart. Because God says, if you'll dig into me, don't dig into every gimmick out there. Get rid of that junk and get back to God and his word and let the Lord speak to your leadership of this church. There's too many gimmicks out there for people to follow. You know that? What was the last gimmick you followed, man? Gimmicks do not make a church grow. Gimmicks do not make church is grow. They ensure that the gimmick will fall and another fad will take its place. And then people will say, I'm tired of that fad and want something different. Friends, if you will get, stay in this, as your pastor does, you will know this. You'll never lack for something to preach. You'll never lack. They're solitary birds. You know, Jesus, he departed into a desert place to pray. How do you think Jesus healed those blind people? How do you think Jesus healed a leper? Hey, yeah, I'd like to heal a leper. Cool, man. How many would love to just walk up to people and say, he'd be healed? What do you, what do you think he was doing before he did that? He was alone with God. He spent all night with God. We don't want to do that part. We don't want that part. We want the, the, the big part. God says, you can't have that part until you have that part. That's what this church, that's what God laid in my heart for this church. It's time for us to stop looking at the results, the things we want to see happen, and it's time to pay attention to the condition that makes it happen. And until we do, until we do, we're just singing in the breeze. I know this is not one of your hip, hip, hooray, popular deals. But you know what? I didn't come to be a hip, hip, hooray guy. I came to let you know 
what you need to be doing and what I need to be doing. I'm not saying you, you. I'm saying we, we, me, me, I, I, us, us. Please hear me. If you will wait on God, be silent before him. Expect him to answer. Be observant. Watch for God. Wait on him like you do when you go fishing. You ever been fishing? You take a worm, you put it on the hook, you throw it out in the water. Then what do you do? Anybody tell me what you do then? What do you do? You wait. How long do you wait? Well, some wait five minutes. Sometimes I wait a half an hour. Sometimes I wait all day. What am I waiting for? I'm not waiting for lightning. You know what I'm waiting for? A tug on the line. And that's what you wait for when you wait on God. You wait for a tug on the line. A jerking on your spirit. Oh, but past... No, 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 that's what it is. And until you do that, until I do that, until we do that, that fourfold blessing of God will evade us. But if we will do that, then we won't have to worry about the fourfold blessing of God. It'll be natural in your life. Eagles are silent birds. Oh, they can chatter, squawk. Raw! They can do that, and they do that. But they're one of the most silent birds also. In other words, the eagle of many, many, many birds has the ability to keep its mouth shut longer. He says, you will mount up. In other words, he's saying, if you'll wait on God, you'll become more like an eagle than you've ever been. You'll be able to maintain a higher position longer. You'll be getting alone with God, and you'll experience God speaking to you. And not only that, but you will learn to keep your mouth shut. Did you know that? When you wait on God, you can emerge from that experience with God. A quieter man. A quieter woman. A less mouthy Christian. Did you know that? You know, some people talk too much. And I'm like, whoa, hang on, Jack. What was that? Bible says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And one of the reasons why some people are talking too much in Christianity is because they're not waiting on God. But if you wait on God, he'll help you keep your mouth shut. And when you do keep your mouth shut, you'll, you'll say more with less. Because your actions will speak louder than your words. Is that true or not? You know it's true. You will be moved by God when you wait on him, and you will not be moved by your circumstances. We, if we will wait on God, will allow God then to control our mouth and our spirit, and then our lives will speak for themselves. There'll be a calmness about your life. You won't get so shook up in situations. Waiting on the Lord produces this. But lastly, the eagle is a sensible bird. Number one, he's a soaring bird. Number two, he's a solitary bird. Number three, he is a silent bird. And number four, he is a sensible bird. If you'll wait on God, you'll become more sensible. How many know we could use a little more sense in the kingdom of God? we got people that have lost their, their, their heads. You know what they do? They take their heads, screwed off their body. Not really physically, okay. Spiritually, and they sit over here and go, hallelujah. Feely, feely. Hallelujah. 
And if the phone rings, someone reaches to pick up the answer. And he says, no, no, don't do that. Let's pray and see if God wants us to answer the phone. You think I'm kidding? Happened when I was in Bible college. You walk up to the market. Oh, God, what watermelon should I buy? Well, knock on it and see. How many know God gave us a brain? And he expects us to use our brain. We need more sense in the, in, in the kingdom of God. He gave me a brain. He expects me to use it. You wait on God. He'll, he'll start helping you use the sense he gave you. Did you know that? What watermelon should I buy? Let's just pretend that everybody did that. Oh, God, what watermelon should I buy? And everybody, oh, he got the best one. So he takes it home. Next guy comes in. Oh, what watermelon should I buy? Same pile. He gets the best one. This goes on until there's no watermelons left. Everybody got the best one. Have you noticed that? Everybody got the best one. It doesn't make any sense. The truth is, friends, God gave me a brain and expects me to use it, and he wants me to be sensible for him and his kingdom. And we've got Christians who have taken their proverbial spiritual heads and screwed them off their spiritual bodies and laid them over there and stuck out their antenna. And, friend, that's an insult to God. God says, if you'll wait on me, I'll give you the good sense to make the right decision based upon the word of God, and you will become a sensible person. Eagles are very sensible. Now, eagles, when, when they're flying, they, they can, they're, there's something God put in them. And when they're about ready to molt, and you can read this for yourself. I read it. When they're about to molt, a, a whistle comes on their wing. They can hear this particular whistle. And that sound that comes from their wings, from their feathers, is a signal to them that they're about to begin molting. And so what they do is, if they don't, in fact, if they don't act fast enough, they can lose their feathers and they'll become vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. So when they hear that particular sound, how many know there's a sound spiritually? You know, God is trying through the preaching and teaching of the word to sound something to you, to let you know it's about molting time. And how many know the devil likes to jump on your molting time and he likes to tell you you're not even saved? I'm just here to say a molting season does come upon eagles. And if you'll wait on God, you'll become sensible enough to see that when that happens, it's not, it's not that you're not saved. It's that God knows you go through times sometimes. And you'll climb up into the cleft of the rock, which is what the eagle does. And he sits there, and he can't be seen, and he can't be attacked, and he hides in the cleft of the rock. Rock of ages. Clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. And he sits there and he loses all his feathers. And boy, does he look rotten. Can you picture an eagle stripped of his feathers? Growing those nodules and clusters on his beak and his claws. He looks like a horrid mess. But there he is behind that rock way up high. And nobody can get to him. And nobody can see him. But he looks a miserable mess. And that's the way you feel sometimes. Isn't it? And he's up there in the cleft of that rock, and he knows, he knows he has to stay there. And how long? Don't know. He just stays there. Reminds me of when I was a kid. I used to watch cartoons. How many remember Foghorn Leghorn? I say, I mean, I say, it's cold out here. And the dog would like light a stick of dynamite underneath him and blow all his feathers off. And you could see this Foghorn Leghorn chicken, and he, he had nothing on. And his, his feathers are gone. He picks them all up in a pile, and he walks away with his feathers. Have you ever felt like that? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever felt like that, spiritually speaking? I have. I felt like the devil blew all my feathers off me. 
I felt like it's freezing. It's cold, and I'm, I'm shivering. You know what? The place of molting is a place of calm. It's a place of stillness. Up in the cleft of the rock, it's a place of loneliness. It's a place of loss. And that's where some of us are. But he climbs up there. And all of a sudden, something begins to happen. After a time, his feathers grow back, right? And he starts getting some vim and vigor on the inside, and something that God put in him begins to stir. He's up there waiting. Guess what you should be doing in that situation? You should be waiting on God. You don't cry out, woe is me. Does everybody see I'm molting? Can you see it? Yeah, we can see it. We can hear you too. And we're just, quite frankly, a little bit sick of it, okay? We know your feathers are gone. We understand they're cold. We understand all of that. But you know what? A person who waits on God is sensible enough not to make that known, but climb up into the cleft of the rock of Jesus and wait on the Lord, and he'll renew his strength for him. And all of a sudden, something happens on the inside of you. And before long, that eagle starts scraping his claws on those rocks. He takes his beak and he hits it against the side. And he rubs it off and he shines it up and he sharpens it up. And all of a sudden, he emerges as if nothing had ever happened. And he flies and swoops down to get his prey. And nobody even knew that he had gone through it. Because he had found himself in the cleft of the rock. Does anybody hear what I'm saying today? If you'll wait on God, he will exchange your strength for his to enable you to be like an eagle, which can stay up in the higher ranges of life and not swoop down to the materialistic life here on this earth. He will keep your eyes on another goal. You'll become more Jesus conscious. You'll become more heaven conscious. You'll become otherworldly and not this worldly. You'll become more solitary. You'll learn to welcome the wilderness. You'll learn to welcome the alone times, the solitary moments that you have with God. You don't need noise all the time. You can turn your CD player off once in a while. Did you know that? Did you know it's okay not to listen to music? Did you know that? Did you know that it's okay to get alone with God in the quiet of your car or the quiet of your bedroom and hear nothing but God's voice? That's what some people don't like because they don't like to be alone with their thoughts. It's time for us to get alone with God. If you'll wait on him, that alone time will be something you welcome and not something you run away from. And the reason you don't want to spend time alone with God is because you haven't been waiting on him. And therefore, the solitary place holds no desire for you. But yet that's where Jesus got all his power was from waiting on God in prayer and walking out, not just praying, but waiting. And the lepers were cleansed and the lame were healed and the blind saw. And you'll become a kind of a person that is not so talkative. You'll, you'll keep your mouth shut. My, my pastor told me, he said, Jerry, when you're in those meetings, because I was in a lot of those meetings, District meetings in the assemblies of God. And I would sit there. He coached me. He said, keep your mouth shut. I said, why? I think I understand what you're saying. (laughs) You're saying keep your mouth shut, right? Yeah. He says, until they're talking about something that really strikes a chord in your spirit, then speak up. So I would wait on the Lord in those meetings. And I felt like saying, oh, Swallow heart. But then they start talking about something spiritual. 
Not about where we're going to have a pizza party. I could care less. But when you start talking about the things of the Spirit, Brother Philip, then I got something to say. And then I would speak up. And then he says, when you speak up, when it counts, then they will remember what you say. But if you keep talking all the time, then guess what? They'll never hear you when you're serious. And the reason we are not being heard sometimes is because we're not waiting on God. I know this is different, but this is what got me to my heart. And we will become sensible birds who will know when that sound is coming. And that's when we got to get alone with God. Hide me in the cleft of the rock. You know, Psalm 103 says, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Remember that verse? What is it, how does it start out? It starts out this way. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Look at the next line. So that thy youth is renewed. Like the eagle. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about you need that. I need that. What's he saying to do? Bless the Lord on my soul. Some of you are molting right now, spiritually molting. You don't feel the presence of God like you used to feel it. Do you know there are times I don't feel the presence of God? I don't feel the presence of God. Does that mean God has withdrawn himself? No. It means that he has withdrawn the sense of that presence from you. You know that happens sometimes. And the reason why it happens is because sometimes we're trusting on our feelings. We're leaning on our feelings. We're going by our feelings and not by the word of God. And what God will do is not withdraw himself from you. He'll withdraw the sense of his presence from you so that he gets you back into his word so that you trust his word and not your feelings. Because some of us are trusting our feelings and then the feeling's not there. And when the feeling's not there, we don't feel saved because we're trusting and going by the feeling instead of the fact of the word of God. All things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. Is that true? How do you feel then because that's true? Because it's true, how do you feel? I feel okay. You see what comes back? What comes back is the feeling. The feeling will come when you get back to the word of God. You trust in his word and not in your feelings. And then you'll have all the feelings you can stand. And then you'll have all the feelings you can stand. And then you'll start feeling great, won't you? And then after a while, you'll start trusting on your feelings again. Am I right? You know what happens. You know why? You know what happens. And then God, that sense will withdraw. I don't feel God anymore. I don't feel God anymore. He gets you back to his word. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? How how, how many of us the word of God? How do you feel when 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 you hear that? If God be for us, who can be against us? How does that make you feel? It makes me feel good. It lets me know that there ain't nobody against me if God's for me. You know how I feel? I feel good. I knew that I would now. See, the whole point is, we're trusting on our feelings and not on the word of God. You get back to the Bible and he'll give you all the feelings you can take. But sometimes that feeling goes away because... We're just going through a molting time spiritually. And the devil will come in and say, "Mm mm-hmm, call yourself a Christian, huh? I thought you were God's man of faith and power. Truth of the matter is, you're just going through a time 
So what do you do? Get up into the cleft of the rock and hide in him by waiting on the Lord and he will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings as eagles. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint. For you see, friends, if you reverse it, that's really how you take off. You walk, then you run, then you mount up. Walk, run, mount. He doesn't say it that way. It's mount, run, walk. I know why. Because once we really mount up with wings as eagles, it's all exciting. Wow, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. It's exciting. Woo! After a while, it's a run. Hey, life is good. But then life becomes a walk, a plodding, a routine. And he'll give you the strength, not just for the mounting, but he'll give you strength to run, and he'll give you strength for the routine of your life. And you'll have a routine, and you won't be weary, and you won't be fainting, because you will have waited upon God, and God will exchange your strength. God will help you mount up, and God will give you ability to run, and when life becomes a drip, 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 drip of a church service on a Sunday morning, in a routine of a service, he'll give you strength for that too. And the routine of life will not wear you down. It'll excite you because you're serving a God day by day by day by day. And someday soon, church, I'm leaving. Going to a meeting around the throne. And the Bible says, Enoch, someone help me, walked with God. He walked with God, and he walked with God, and he, that's the routine of life. He walked with God, and then all of a sudden, he was no more, for God took him. You need to wait on God for the routine of your life, because that's where the battle really comes down, is if you can serve him in the drip, drip of a life life, of a walk, walk, of the routine of your life. And how are you going to make it through the routine of your life? How about let's waiting on God? Let's wait on him. What do you do when you wait on God? You worship him for who he is. Not because he's done anything for you, but simply because you love him. Amen? Amen. Father in heaven, I, I thank you. There are people here who have had trouble with their mouth. Who have had trouble maybe not listening enough. We're not listening. We're, too, we're doing too much of the talking. But you see, that's because we're not waiting on you. We've got some folks perhaps here tonight, and, and I don't exclude myself, who are afraid of that solitary moment. Are you here tonight with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? You know you need to get back to that solitary moment. Lift your hand. You know you need to get back. Go ahead, lift your hand. God bless you. Anybody? Yeah, God bless you. You need to get back to that solitary moment. How many know that you need to be a little more silent? Just lift your hand. You need to be a little more silent. A little more silent. Come on. 
How about, how about someone, how about some here tonight need to start living above that level, that higher plane, and you need to wait on God. You become too materialistic. You're looking at the things of this earth and not the things that are unseen, but you're looking at the things that are seen. But the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. It's time to get your eyes onto the unseen. How many here like that? Just lift your hand. God bless you. How many here could stand a little more sensibility? in your life. What I mean by that is you need to remember that God gave you a mind and it's time for us to use what he's given us and make a healthy decision and climb up in the cleft of the rock and you're molting right now. You are going through a molting time and the devil wants you to do something stupid but you're not gonna. You've got to be smart. You've got to be sensible. Get up into the cleft of the rock. How many need to be sensible and get back into the word? Get back into Jesus. And don't do something that you're not you're, that you're going to regret. And how many in this room today need to exchange one suit of clothes, your strength for His? Now, how many tonight would agree with me? And I include myself again. We need to come up to this altar as a family of God. No frills, maybe no lightning bolts. No bells and whistles, but simply a man and woman of God, a teenager who says, I want to come up and I want to wait on God because I love him. Not because of the blessings, but just because I love him and he'll take care of the rest. Is that you? Would you all stand with me today? And as they sing, if that's you, because I know it's me, I'm going to ask you now to come. And when you come, lift your hands and say, here I am, Lord. I want to wait on you and worship you for who you are. So the altar is open for you to come right now. Just come and lift your hands. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.